0: Hello and welcome to YHTV's Magical Medical Tour. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Christina Suzuma. Our topic today is time travel, brain bath, and other health topics. As we go deep into the doctor's bag with our wonderful medical guide, it's his bag, <laughs> Dr. Glenn Wollman. There it is. <laughs> His original medical bag.
1: <laughs> That's right. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Magical Medical Tour. I'm Dr. Glenn Wallman. I will be your uh, medical guide today, along with Christina, as we travel through another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy. And, of course, in this quadrant, we're going deep inside the doctor's bag for a potpourri of topics that will hopefully help people on their path to optimal health. Hi, Christina.
0: Hello, Doc. I love these shows where we just learn about just those few things that could help us really improve our health. I love it.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, I hope so. It gives you and I a chance to chat a little bit more and focus on things that we might be interested in. Mm -hmm. And then it's always good to do that
0: absolutely so just to let our audience know at any time during this show you can feel free to ask a question or make a comment simply by scrolling down on your screen and typing it into the comment box or you can give us a call at 818 let's talk 818 let's talk leave us a message um, for dr woolman or us here at yoga hub and we'll get back to you but you need to leave uh, your contact information um, if you would like us to do so Uh, So we really look forward to your comments and suggestions. Um, And uh, also, if you are listening to this as a podcast, we would really love it and appreciate it if you would go in and like us or, you know, give us a wonderful comment and and share the link with others that you know will benefit from the shows. Thank you, Glenn.
1: Oh, That's great. We do hope people benefit from the show. But sometimes I even think, you know, if even one person, benefits from it then it was a success and as you just said if people share it with others then just domino effect and it travels on and we like that
0: yes we do <laughs> that's why we're doing it
1: <laughs> yeah so, so you know that i always talk about the six categories of of optimal health uh, nutrition exercise stress management sleep management patterns of behavior and spirituality and usually in these shows i try to find a few things that can help people to, uh, improve in each of those areas. So I've picked a few things today and hopefully we'll get some interesting, uh, discussions going between you and I. Great. you believe in time travel? Yes. You do
0: <laughs> I do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, uh, if you had a chance to travel, would you go back or forward?
0: Um, you know, that's an interesting question. I, I, I would like to do both. Sure. I would like to go back, I would like to go forward, and I'd like to go into another world. <laughs> <laughs> why, why just limit ourselves? If we can time travel, that means yeah. you can travel through space and time. So why not check out other civilizations, right?
1: Exactly. <laughs> so one of the things that always occurs to me when I'm taking care of clients as a medical guide and even as an emergency physician, and we've talked about it this many times, the fact that, people, even if they get good advice, they don't take the advice and don't change their patterns of behavior and continue to do things uh, possibly that will affect them and their health, either in the present, in the near future, or in the long-term future. And people just don't listen until they get slammed in the face. And we always talk about it that way, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. So... I was watching a podcast uh, the other day, and there, the, the show was about time travel, and they asked people of all ages, you know, ranging from kids 9, 10, 11 years old up to uh, adults in, in their 80s and 90s coming toward end of life, and they talked to them about tra- time travel, and it was very interesting. You know, of course, many of them did the usual things. They said, oh, I'd like to go back and change something that I didn't say to a loved one Uh, before they died or I said something that I wish I didn't say uh, or I wish I did this or, or didn't date this person or whatever. A lot of those. But basically, it then came down to the majority of people wanted to go back and change something they did that caused a health problem for them. And I thought, you know, that's an interesting concept. Uh, It's maybe a new angle on how I can get people to think about uh, changing a behavior. And so I thought about the possibility that if people could imagine uh, that just about when they're about to make a decision, that if they could go into the future and then time travel back to the past, how would they look at the decisions they're making? And would they make them differently? So that's that's the little tip here for today on time travel. When you're trying to make, especially a medical decision, because uh, these become very important. When we go to podcasts uh, awards and we talk to people, and you listen to other podcasts, they're on. They're always on great topics. They're on you know great wines and foods and how to cook and how to travel and sexual podcasts on all of the different variations on the sexual. Uh, aspects of today and the relationships of today. All of these things that I look at are great podcasts, but ultimately, if you're not healthy, if you're not feeling well, none of them are really enjoyable. So optimal health is, of course, important, but, and yet people still make decisions that are not based on the potential for optimal health, and they're willing to risk a lot of things. So again, This is the idea for today in terms of thinking about when you have to make a decision that pertains potentially to health and healthy aspects of your life, how you're going to be 10 or 20 or 30 years from now, maybe you should look back on the present, move into the future, look back on the present, time travel, and see if you can make better decisions. And when you do that, it's not just about... deciding whether I should bungee jump across this bridge in Australia or tightrope across the Grand Canyon, those kind of things, which of course are important. But I also think it's very important when you're dealing with a health issue itself and, and the doctor is recommending a surgery or radiation or chemotherapy or this treatment or that treatment. It's a good idea to think about it when you're making your decisions and look at the risk benefit ratios and then uh try and make a a much more healthy decision.
0: Mm.
1: So that's my little time travel tip for today. I like
0: that. I think that that's a really that's a really great suggestion, Glenn. Because you know, we we don't we don't realize sometimes when when we're faced with something it's so easy to ignore, it's so easy to just push it aside and actually look at it um and see how it will affect us in the future. Uh, wouldn't you think that there may be a lot of hesitation or fear because people don't want to look into the future? Like if they are, uh, for example, if they are diagnosed with cancer, you know, Mm -hmm. God forbid, but they're diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. There is the, everyone I've spoken to who was first diagnosed and first told no matter what, what aspects of cancer and what level or, um, what do they call it? The, the degree that they're at there's always this immediate like they say it was almost like it took their breath away Mm -hmm. um and knowing that and the fears that come up how how would you say what what would help them to be able to look into that future and come back to the present right
1: yeah well, the key but, here, go mm-hmm, ahead, go, I'm sorry.
0: You know, uh, when, um and make decisions a little more with clarity as opposed to fear-based.
1: Well, that's the that's the key right now. Uh, decisions are going to be made. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what happens. Some people and we we study logic, there's a something called decision by indecision. You know, when you're driving in a car and you're heading toward an intersection and you see that the light is turning yellow, And it's been yellow for a second or two. And you're trying to decide, do I stop? Do I not stop? Do I stop? Do I not stop? And then you go through the intersection. So you technically made a decision by not deciding something. And so in this particular case, what I'm saying is decisions need to be made. And it's true that you may go into a fear state, which we're going to talk about, interestingly, in the next uh, topic, brain baths. (laughs) 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 Uh, but you will you will go into a fear-based state for just a few minutes and that's okay the point is that you don't necessarily have to make the decision like an emergency room doctor uh, who may have to make life changing decisions instantly Mm -hmm. a lot of times when you're diagnosed with something you don't have to make decisions in that moment so get through your fear and then realize that a decision needs to be made and what you do is you start looking at the risks and benefits, and you look at that ratio, and then just as another tool in putting the decision together, after you go through all the facts, you talk with your doctor, you talk about this, chemotherapy, the side effects, and what it may do, and what the possibilities are from that, it takes a little while, and after you go through that, try and imagine five years from now, or 10 years from now, or 20 years from now, depending on what you have, and find out questions of what things may be at that time if you make this decision. So it's a it becomes a longer process and by making it a little bit of a longer process it's, and bringing facts into it and looking at it from different perspectives and in fact perspectives are going to be part of my final health tip today. So this is all <laughs> it's all together. Here.
0: That's great.
1: great. Uh, By looking at different perspectives, it gives you options. And you still may make the wrong decision, or you may make a decision not based on optimal health, but this is just one possibility of a way of making better decisions and bringing optimal health and clarity into it by looking at it from a different perspective. Move into the future, go back and look at the present, and then when you make that decision, your future will probably be better.
0: I'm ready for my brain bath. Can I call it a brain spa? <laughs> you
1: no, know, I, was, I was thinking brain bath <laughs> I, may not be I either. need that. <laughs> uh, actually, that would be perfect for it. We can call it a brain spa.
0: A brain spa. <laughs> yeah.
1: <clears throat> I don't know if you remember in, a, in another Inside the Doctor's Bag a while ago, we talked about the brain and one of the aspects of sleep. And, of course, that's yes. one of our categories. What happens in sleep is the brain uh, gets rid of a lot of waste material that accumulate toxins in the brain. And during sleep, that's when uh, the waste material happens and the brain heals and does a number of other things. This is another aspect we're going to talk about today. this has to do with neurotransmitters. Mm. And what neurotransmitters are, are these chemicals that are inside the brain and inside the body. And what they do is they help bring messages from one part of the brain to the next. So if you imagine uh, telephone lines, and every once in a while you see a telephone pole, right? You can picture that scene. you got the telephone wire, telephone pole, another wire. Down the road, there's another pole and a wire, and it keeps going like that. Well, that's, that's sort of metaphorically what happens in the brain. You have a neuron, which is this long wire, which is bringing... Uh, messages and information down that wire. And it gets to a point that's a, a synapse between two different wires. And you could picture that as the telephone pole. Mm-hmm. And right at that pole is where neurotransmitters get released into that little synapse and allow the message to go from one wire across the pole to the next wire. And that's how we get things done. Mm-hmm. You got that picture? Mm-hmm. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. Within that, there are over hundreds of neurotransmitters and understanding that in my mind and the minds of many, the central nervous system, the brain, the peripheral nerves, this is the final frontier in medicine uh, Mm -hmm. for us to learn about. I mean, other than going deeper and deeper into a cellular level, uh, but the brain, we're still learning things about the brain. We don't know where the mind is in the brain, for example, and we don't know how all the connections actually happen. But we are learning things, and we're learning very important things. And one of the things that we're learning is more and more about the neurotransmitters and the way they work. And basically, neurotransmitters account for everything that we do. It accounts for our heartbeat. It accounts for our breathing, our diaphragm, our lungs. It accounts for digestion, movement, uh, vision, hearing, all of our senses everything about us has to do with neurotransmitters. And if we have too many that can affect us, too little that can affect us, Mm -hmm. if we have no neurotransmitters, then essentially we're not transmitting anymore Mm -hmm. and we're gone. So neurotransmitters are probably the most important thing we have in our bodies that keep us doing all the things we do. They also have to do with moods So there are certain neurotransmitters we know that can make people anxious or uh, heightened and hyper, and there are others that can make people uh, have mood disorders like depression and sadness and anxiety. All of the mood disorders that we talk about mania, psychosis all of these have to do with neurotransmitters. Of course, it's much more complex than that, but they're an integral part of it. And these mood and neurotransmitters have many different uh, ways of being influenced. They're influenced by the foods that we eat, neurotoxins in the air, sleep, genetics, medications that we take, uh, all of these things, uh, you know, recreational drugs, caffeine, alcohol, cigarettes, nicotine, all of these things can affect our moods and things that we do, including focus and concentration. So, for example, Christina, have you ever said uh, at some point, "Oh, where did I leave my keys?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: Where's my uh, wallet? That Where's was, my kid? that was
0: years ago. Now it's a whole nother deal. <laughs>
1: right?
0: Where did I leave me? <laughs> where did I leave
1: me? Well, a lot of times it's it's potential is that one of your neurotransmitters, for example, possibly something like dopamine, is low at that moment, and you lose a little bit of memory, and you lose your focus. And that's why in certain uh, illnesses where people have no concentration, have no focus, uh, doctors give them medications that increase their focus. Or even when you drink caffeine or something like that, sometimes it will increase certain parts of your neurotransmitter system, make you more focused and be able to deal with life a little better. Does that all make sense to you? Absolutely. So within the neurotransmitters, they're really broken down into two categories. I mean, there's many subtleties in this, but there are mainly two categories. One are the excitatory or stimulating types of neurotransmitters, and the others are the calming or slowing down transmitters. So different ways that we learned this in medical school, one was one was the gas pedal, one was the brake pedal. Mm. And if, if you're excited about something, this is where the fear uh, comes in that you were speaking about before, and the flight or fight mechanisms, where your blood pressure raises, your pulse raises, your focus, your vision focus is more acute, um, and your muscles are capable of running very fast, and you won't bleed as much because your clotting mechanisms are working very hard. These are all the neurotransmitters that excite people. And those are good at a certain point in time. But if it continues and it becomes chronic, all the cells, and we always talk about cells, all the cells are being bathed in these neurotransmitters that are exciting the cell and causing it to do hyperactive things and that's good as i said for a few moments but if this becomes chronic like chronic stress then it's not good and cells start wearing down and breaking down and they're not capable of dealing with their normal functions a liver cell trying to do liver things a heart cell trying to do heart things they're not capable of doing that so we we need the body to have this balance of the calming cells and these are things like serotonin that we've heard about so what my tip is for today in terms of neurotransmitters and brain bath is that i suggest that if you're having a day that every hour of it is filled with stress within that hour it's a good idea for one minute out of that hour to give yourself a brain spa And sit quietly and and allow the exciting, excitatory, stimulating neurotransmitters to sort of fade away and bring up the calming transmitters so that everything gets relaxed and more balanced. Because again, if you're not balanced, you're not going to be in optimal health and there are going to be problems and they manifest over short periods and long periods. So the tip is that every hour that you're stressed, you should take one minute out of that hour, and do some calming uh, procedures. And of course, my recommendation is always the Wallman metaphor square breath, which actually takes about 64 seconds. And those of you that have not heard about it, I would recommend that you go to my website, GlennWallman.com, G-L-E-N-N-W-O-L-L-M-A-N.com. And my webmaster, has made it very easy so that if you go down in the home page and you see subscribe you just click on subscribe uh... they'll ask you a few little things it's free of course and you will after subscribing get a gift of a video that will teach you the metaphor square breath and basically it's taking a breath in and holding it for four seconds or a count of four holding it at that point the breath in for a count of four or four seconds Letting it out for a count of four or four seconds, and then holding that for four seconds or a count of four, and then repeating that four times in one cycle, and then repeating that four times a day. So that's the normal aspect. So, what I'm saying now is that people should consider if you're in a stressful moment, if you're at work or you're in class or you're doing something very stressful and you have the opportunity, take one minute or 64 seconds, to just basically give yourself a brain spa and let those calming uh, neurotransmitters come in. (sighs) I was doing that.
0: As you were saying, breath in four counts, hold it four Mm. counts. I was doing that. So wonderful. Uh, Just love that metaphor, square breath.
1: (laughs) I do too. And uh, there's a few other things I want to mention, one with the metaphor, square breath. Uh, but also with the neurotransmitters. So I'll stay with the metaphor square breath uh, right now. It is a great thing to do at any time. But of course, if you're you know, out in the woods and having a great day and you don't need that and things are calm, you don't need to do that every hour. It's only in the hours that you know that the stress or stimulated uh, neurotransmitters are working. I'm going to introduce at some point the metaphor X square breath. <laughs> and now it's yes, possible that for X yes so what's your first thought on that um adult rated
0: uh, <laughs> no no of course uh, not my my thought originally went to the number of counts instead of the four to increase the four or multiply the four
1: that's great actually the x in this case stands for extreme I'm turning it into the metaphor square breath into an extreme sport. I I don't recommend you do this yet, uh, or without help or without guidance, but basically it's the whole thing, taking it to, when you're taking the deep breath, take it and breathe in for as long as you possibly can. And then when you hold it, hold it for as long as you possibly can. And then when you exhale, exhale for as long as you possibly can. And then, when you hold it, hold it for as long as you possibly can. And instead of repeating the cycle four times, do it for as many times as you possibly can. That's the metaphor X extreme sport, <laughs> square breath. But I don't yeah. recommend that for everyone yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, you might fall over.
1: (laughs) There's no telling what might happen. That
0: brain spa is uh, too rigorous. (laughs) Well,
1: that's why I I held that to the end. But, you know, it's very interesting. One of the things that's happening right now with uh, studying the brain, as I said, it's one of the final frontiers. And we've talked about the body and how there's connections to everything. Well, one of the things that's very interesting right now is going into the gut. And what I mean is in the intestinal area where you know there's lots of microbes and bacteria and viruses. We've talked about that on many shows now, right? Mm -hmm. And those bacteria and those colonies that are living in there almost are their own organism. They have more genetic material within them than we have in the rest of our body. Mm -hmm. And what's happening now, this is really interesting, uh, stay tuned, is that scientists are studying the relationship between these uh, microflora in the gut and things that happen in the body. We certainly know that when the when you take an antibiotic and the flora gets messed up, sometimes you start getting gastrointestinal problems. And if the flora gets messed up for uh, chemotherapy or for other reasons, people get irritable bowel syndromes. Of course, you can get it for other reasons, but Many things happen. So, we already know there's connections from the gut to the gut. That makes sense. And we also know that in the gut is a major portion of the immune system. In fact, uh, serotonin that I spoke about a little while ago, uh, a lot of that is produced within the gut. Now, that isn't necessarily what's going to be in the brain neurotransmitters, but we know that there are similarities there. So, here's the interesting thing, Christina, is that they're seeing. That aside from certain diseases where things in the gut can affect your GI tract and heart and other things, they're seeing that it may have an effect on mood disorders, things like depression and anxiety, Mm. and they're starting to look at studies there. More studies certainly need to be done, but evidence is starting to accumulate, accumulate, which shows that there are connections from the gut flora to your mood which could be anxiety or depression or mania, things like that, a lot more to be studied. But that means, one of the things that that means and implicates is that potentially, as part of a treatment program for people that may have a mood disorder, is diet Mm -hmm. may become actually uh, something that's necessary. And we may be seeing doctors as... Part of uh, combinatorial medicine, which I always talk about, Mm -hmm. aside from medications for a mood disorder, they may be putting people on probiotics for your depression.
0: I think that's wonderful. I think that's wonderful. I mean, Glenn, when, when for years now, when they talk about children and their mood swings or their hyperness, you know, they go, okay, remove the sugars in the diet, remove this, you know, I mean, that all has to do with what they're putting in their bodies, right?
1: There's certainly uh, a major portion of that has to do with what they're putting in their bodies. Yes. And we're learning more and more of that now.
0: Yes, yes. And and it's so wonderful that they're actually really looking, <laughs> really studying it now. I think that's, that's fabulous. I would definitely would prefer to um, regain balance through changing my diet as opposed to these pills or supplements, you know, that, could be the quick fix as opposed to a habit change.
1: Right. And they're all important. That's why, again, we go back to the first part of time travel when you're looking and saying, well, if I keep eating this food, you know, I may end up with irritable bowel syndrome or Crohn's disease or heart disease or depression or something like that mm-hmm. because it's affecting my neurotransmitters. And that, that might be the key here where people don't make that connection between things that we make choices about and how it's going to affect to affect all of the things that we are because when we're not feeling well it doesn't matter if we have tickets to a great concert we're not going we just don't Mm -hmm. feel well it doesn't matter if we're traveling on a ship on a cruise around the world if you're sick in the cabin (laughs) you're not going to be enjoying it as much So these are the things, putting it all together, you know, the decision making about everything we do uh, and things that we put into our bodies and how we uh, get stressed out and recognize that stress and then start the calming mechanisms, doing it once an hour, Mm -hmm. literally. And if you do the metaphor square breath, it takes 64 seconds if you do it just for the four second rule. So uh, that's my second tip of the day. Mm
0: like that tip. I like that brain spa. <laughs>
1: yeah, brain spa. You know, I was thinking about it last night. I, should it be a bath? Should it be a shower? Should it be... I never thought a spa. That's a great idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Multi-level. <laughs> I
1: know. Very good. Right. So I, you have an understanding now a little bit more about neurotransmitters and how they affect everything. Yes, thank you. Yeah, that's great. So it's important. And you do have some control of it. If you get depleted or or you need more, you know, these are things that... Uh, we have some control over. And meditation, whatever method you use of calming yourself, breathing or humming or saying a mantra or just sitting quietly or looking at a flower or, you know, lighting a candle or whatever you have to do, uh, that's important. Mm. And do that.
0: Yes, yes, I th- uh, especially with how fast everything is moving today with the Internet, with the cell phones, with the, you know, Everyone's on data plans now. <laughs> you, you need to disconnect.
1: Disconnect. I think uh, Heidi said, Heidi uh, Harrison, when we talked to her about uh, Pilates, I think she, as one of her health tips once said, uh, when you're working out, disconnect. Mm. Get rid of the iPhone and stop listening to this and that and just get within your body, listen to your body, uh, and do all of the right things for yourself
0: mm. yes okay it's time to do that i'm checking out
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'll right mean, we'll have a 64 second silence right now there, for everybody there you go. <laughs> so that uh, moving on to another topic is physical exercise mm. we what we know about physical exercise is that it's important what we know is that you need to do it what we don't know is what's the right exercise how often should you do it how intense should it be how long should it be all of these things we don't know that but we're we're narrowing down on it we know that you need to have some resistance training you need to have some flexibility and stretching you need to have some cardiovascular work maybe maybe some low impact a number of different things you should have and everybody should have their uh, their programs that they do we always talk about that have an inside program that you could do if it's raining out and have outside programs you could do if it's beautiful out but what happens if you can't get to your programs during the day and you need to do something we know that you should probably exercise every day so my tip on physical exercise now (laughs) simple one, I kind of like it though, is I recommend that if you can't get to your normal exercises, then take a few minutes in the day and do one push-up, do one sit-up, do one knee bend, and <laughs> and do one calf raise or, or toe raise each day. And if you can, also do one chin-up. You like that, huh? um,
0: Well... Well, I'm thinking about it like one push-up. Yes. Well, I would tell everyone do two because the first one's usually a little wobbly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the key here. What my theory is, is that if you if you have to commit yourself to go to the gym for an hour, or run for an hour, or do an hour of this, sometimes in a day. Yeah you have all of these ways of saying, oh, I can't do it right now. I don't have enough time. I have to do this in a half hour. I have to do that in a half hour. Uh, So I just can't go to the gym today. So then you eliminate all of your exercise. And so my theory is that if you say to yourself, I'm only going to do one push-up, how can I argue with that? (laughs) I know people who will. (laughs) It's like, well,
0: what a waste of time. I'm just doing one, one, one is like, is it benefiting me?
1: <laughs> to... Yes. Yeah, so, the answer there's two parts to the answer. One part is it's definitely benefiting you rather than not doing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the second part to the answer is the technique involved. And then the third part to the answer is what may happen when you do this. So, the technique involved is instead of doing one very quick push up, certainly you can do one very quick push up. But the idea is to do each of these exercises very slowly and and connect to your body, the muscles that are working, how they all coordinate, getting your core balanced and making sure you're doing this correctly. Rather than doing one quick one, which lasts maybe a half of a second, try and do the push-up that could last maybe five to six or seven seconds. Do a sit-up that lasts seven to 10 seconds or a knee bend, all of these. So it takes a little bit longer. But my theory is that if you do that one push-up and you're already down there, you may do the Christina variation and do a second push-up. <laughs> and, and therefore, you, no, then the you start Christina going... the Christina
0: variations will not be even two.
1: <laughs> one and a half?
0: No, I, I, I do believe it would be at least nine of each. <laughs> well, that,
1: that's the whole key because here. I think you're right. You know... That's the theory here. And, and if you get down there and you, you, can, you say, okay, I'm going to just do the one push-up, and you're down there and you say, well, uh, I may as well do eight more. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you've done eight push-ups. And then sometimes what happens is, and we go back to the brain spa, when you start doing that one or two or three or nine push-ups, suddenly some good neurotransmitters start coming in that get you stimulated to say, oh, maybe I want to actually work out here. And you're feeling better and your oxytocin comes in, pain goes away, endorphins kick in, and then suddenly you realize that you're doing a whole workout.
0: Mm. Yes. Okay. One, start with one, everyone. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's it. Just yeah, it one is. push up. It is. And how can you argue with that? Just yeah. do your one push-up, one <laughs> knee bend, one sit-up, one calf raise, and if you have a uh, place where you can uh, do a chin-up, do one chin-up. But I know that anybody that starts enjoying exercise and makes it become part of their lifestyle and co- bringing it from intellect to consciousness, which we always talk about, is once you start doing a little bit of that, then suddenly you realize, hey, I'm here, I'm exercising, I may as well do a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And then you get all of these benefits from that.
0: Well it's it's like uh motion begets motion. It's like give, you know, give a busy person something to do and they'll always get it done, right? <laughs> it's it's that weird is that weird momentum that we get into and it's like, oh this is oh we we'll just do another one. It's okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's a it's a, it's just a theory and we're testing it out today on magical medical tour on inside the doctor's bag. Just you know, the exercise tip for the day. Do your one push up. <laughs> I kind of like it. It's almost fun. I could see a whole gym class, you know, people gathering, uh, hundreds of people in, in the gym, and suddenly everybody, okay, do your push up, class over.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and those who want to repeat, repeat. <laughs> right.
1: Repeat. Exactly. Oi. Oi. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> I can see it. I can see that happening.
1: These you people getting. Cannot.
0: I can see it happening where these people get down and do one and sit and watch everyone else.
1: Yeah. No, of course, there's going to be that. But, you know, magical medical tour. We're trying to help the people. Absolutely. That, you know, and if we can help one person go, hey, you know, I never loved exercise, but one push up. How can I argue with that? Yes. And it might even help me.
0: Yes, and if you don't like that, change it to a stretch or something like
1: that. Yeah, awesome. definitely. You can add, you can do one stretch. Yeah. One of everything.
0: One of everything. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> one, Glenn. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes.
0: Oh, my. Yes, but it, it really is. It's amazing. Um, I know we've been moving so fast that we haven't had, you know, time to do our usual morning yoga, you know, whether it be 15 minutes, half an hour or an hour, because we've been moving and moving and moving. And I know it's taking a toll. It's like, it takes a toll. And it's like, okay, this is achy now. That's achy now. And it's like, okay, that, that yoga or just that stretching needs to start up again.
1: Yeah. It all comes together. You know, first you have the time travel where you look back and you say, I should have exercised today. Right, or I should have meditated today, or I should have eaten better today. So that's part of it. And then you start thinking more about why you're not feeling well, why you're not focused, why your concentration isn't good, why you're a little bit anxious right now. Then you start thinking about those as neurotransmitters. That's what's happening. And they're out of balance. So you start thinking, how do I balance them? And you meditate, or you do the warm square breath. And and then you exercise. So you got a lot of things going on here and it didn't take much of your day. And remember, again, as I said, if you go to the gym and you work out for an hour and a half or you do all your other things, your hike or kayaking, then you don't need to do the uh, the set of one yeah. exercise that day. You've already done something. This is for people that, you know, you might be traveling somewhere and and. You know, you don't have the opportunity, you don't have all your equipment, even in a hotel room or anywhere, you can do certain things. And if you get that concept in your head, well, I still got to do my one push-up, so maybe I'll do it before I take my bath or shower before I go to sleep, so you you get that covered. <laughs> and you're good.
0: Yes, you are. I mean, just just you're right, get the one in. Get
1: the one in, and you've done... You know, if you do the push-up and the sit-up and the chin-up and the leg lift and the knee bend and all those things, you've covered lots of body areas. So you've really done a nice workout, plus you're also doing some breathing exercises while you're doing that. So you're getting more oxygen. It helps your appetite. might help you sleep better. It's all connected.
0: Or bouncing a ball.
1: Or bounce on a ball. <laughs> you know. That's 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 a whole get other get your set calf of muscles
0: and all going. Bounce on a ball <laughs> uh,
1: that'll work for you.
0: Uh, no, that's Wanna wonderful. Prove? I I love I love um, that physical exercise. I think it it really is so important. Um, you know, as a child, when I was sick with asthma and allergies, and always having the flu of some sort, or the immune system was so down, and in those days, no you're not allowed out you have to stay indoors you have to rest you you know you can't eat uh, fruit because of certain it might create the cough etc mm. and you know, I really it was amazing because i I living through that and in other words in those days it was you need to rest to heal, but it became so much that there was, I was, it was almost like it was going backwards. Um, There was no natural healing that could start because the body was getting weaker and weaker. You know, there was hardly any muscle tone. You know, if I didn't play fight with my brothers, I'd have no muscle tone. (laughs) (laughs) But it was only in the teenage years where I was so fed up. I was so fed up as a, as a, a young child going, no, this is awful. And I'd rather be dead than be so weak. And through exercise, even though they said, oh, you're asthma and this and that. I said, no, I don't care. I don't care anymore. This feels awful. You know, everyone else is out running about and, you know, they're complaining about physical education, you know, PE. And I'm like salivating, like I want to do this this so bad. And amazingly enough, the moment I started a little bit at a time, that has a huge part in my healing process.
1: And you can't get much more little than one. That's right. Uh, That's right. I don't want us to do a half of a push-up. Although that would be interesting. And this is also, you know, there's a great those are great statements. And it it shows that you took uh exercise into your lifestyle, not just intellectually, knowing that you should do it, but you actually made it consciousness. Well, I, I
0: think at that age, Glenn, I don't think I knew that I even should. I I, I believe it was so, well, no doubt, maybe some part of my body was aching for it so badly, you know. It was out of just being so frustrated,
1: you know, uh, <laughs> not
0: to be like everyone else, right?
1: <laughs> it's your neurotransmitters. They knew before you did. Yes,
0: yes, yes. That- I I believe that.
1: And that's probably part of growing up in consciousness and becoming a little bit enlightened is you start tuning in to your neurotransmitters and tuning mm-hmm. into your body and feeling things and then analyzing things. That's what consciousness really is. It's about the ability to observe, analyze, and file things, you know mm-hmm. so the, people that are unconscious, and I'm I'm not talking about people walking around unconscious, but somebody in a coma, for example, <clears throat> is not necessarily able to do all of that, to be able to analyze things and then to uh, file them and look at them. So, as you become more and more aware of your consciousness and your body and the connections between your body and your mind and spirit, these things become better and better, and you become more and more healthy. Mm. And you can also do this exercise, uh, you know, when you're when you're recovering from an illness or something, you know, you're recovering from the flu, uh, and or you had a surgery and you want to start working out, but you don't feel strong enough to get to the gym. Doing that set of ones uh, will start getting your body back into order. It'll start testing you. It'll show that you're a little weak and that you have to get stronger. And we'll start doing the resistance exercises and getting the muscles connecting again and neurotransmitters working and more balance in your Mm. brain.
0: That's wonderful. You know, I witnessed something this morning um, in, uh, you know, as many of you might know, I I volunteer at at an elementary school and I volunteer in the kindergarten level and um, every morning. So today, it just so happened one of the classes had a substitute. And what I witnessed today, and I think you'll really appreciate this, Glenn, is this woman, um, uh, this substitute teacher came in, and usually the kids are a little more rambunctious when there's a substitute, et cetera. And she had this way about her where she was insistent on learning each child's name and the way she was going to map out where they sat, and instead of name tags, which she she didn't believe in, she says, I am going to create my own map and I am going to know where each person is sitting and at least say the child's name every time I'm about to ask them a question, which that connected the children to her. You know, these are five, six year old kids. They're pretty, Mm -hmm. pretty wild, especially after the breakfast, sometimes they're served. Um, And what was interesting was after she had mapped everyone out and they were sitting on the rug with her. You know, usually they go through the days of the week. Well, after, okay, today is, you know, Tuesday, tomorrow was what day? And she'd ask those simple questions. Then she said, you know, what is the most important thing that we do every day? And of course, the kids were coming out with different things. She said, I want you to take a deep breath in and hold it. And that's what she did. All the children took this deep breath in and she said, hey, keep holding it and now let it go nice and gently and i want witnesses at the back of the room of course i'm thrilled <laughs> right i'm thrilled and she says that whether you know it or not she says that is the most important thing you do every day when you sleep when you're awake is breathe and from that point she took them into this whole level of singing the days of the week Mm. singing what day it was, having them take that breath in, blow it out three times before she'd start the next song. And the calmness in the room was magnificent. These kids took in that energy and that breath just, you could feel how it was just shifting each of them and the energy in their body, calming them, grounding them. And even by the time I left that room, which was half an hour later, she was still having them do breathing exercises. They had no idea what they were doing. But it was a game.
1: Yeah, beautiful. I love that. Of course, you know that. And you know that <clears throat> when, in the metaphor square breath, the part where you exhale and hold that, uh, the scientists, the neurologists, and uh, the neuroscientists have studied people in meditation. I've talked about this where they put electroencephalogram, uh, attach them to an electroencephalogram machine on their scalp, and they look at brain waves. And when people are exhaling, uh, that's when they go into more states of calmness and meditation. And one of the easiest ways to exhale is to sing or speak or state a mantra, because actually what you're doing is just, just the exhaling. Mm.
0: Interesting,
1: and, yeah. so it's by singing and and you see that people, you know, in churches and mosques and synagogues are all chanting and singing. That's all a form of exhaling mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and that's Boy. meditation,
0: but also with the Ayurvedic medicine or um through yoga, they do the pranayama, which is sure uh, inhaling and exhaling from the different nostrils and holding the breath and. They're saying that every morning before you wake, when you, right when you wake up, you should be doing pranayama to start clearing the mind. And mm-hmm. that's really interesting because, as you said, the sleep is when our brain releases the toxins. Right. So that almost now is coming together for me.
1: <laughs> Love that. I'm... Where
0: Right? <clears throat> when, when they're doing the nostril, the alternate nostril breathing.
1: Now, you remember that in our, one of our talks on names, we call them nares rather than nostrils. Naries, no, and you're I just and, <laughs> so you, you, your your assignment know. is to go back and watch every episode until you remember that,
0: oh my gosh, a hundred and what <laughs> <laughs> okay, as we close each nary. <laughs> right. but now it it sort of has come together, and it makes sense to me. It's almost like as you're exhaling on both sides, because they're saying it works. It cleanses the brain. It cleanses the mind in the morning when you first do that.
1: Yep. And, and you could do it all day and it'll keep cleansing it. And I'm just picturing now that you just got enlightened. I'm just picturing this wave or ripple effect as people watch today's show and they get that same insight all around the planet and out into the galaxies. People are going to get that insight and mm. become. A lot healthier. So thank you for that. That was great.
0: <laughs> no,
1: thank you. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I insist. Brain thank spa. Yes, brain spa. We love that. Okay. Uh, we're coming uh, to the next part. Mm-hmm. And for this, I may need some help from you. Uh, you're Canadian and yes. ha- half of my family is Canadian. And I wonder, do you know who Stephen Harper is? No. Stephen Harper is the Prime Minister of Canada. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> <Okay>.
0: <laughs> That's how long I haven't been there, and yeah. I haven't voted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're going to get a little uh, political and geopolitical for a few moments here. <clears throat> and, and I'm thinking that I might need either you or anyone in the studio to start humming or singing the words to O Canada in the background. So this is kind of like a news report. And we have, you know <laughs>
0: You're too funny.
1: An accompanying a uh, background music. Can you, <laughs> you, you can you hum you. a little of that? <laughs> <Mm-hmm-hmm>. <laughs> well what, what?
0: it's hilarious.
1: Yeah, but you're not doing it, so I need no. your help. You're not going to?
0: Huh? I can if you like. <laughs>
1: yeah, I just very, very low for just a couple of seconds in the okay. intro because the next part is going to be a little bit about Canada. So maybe okay. as an intro. Go ahead. That was totally wrong. That was,
0: I okay. That was the wedding
1: song, actually. <laughs> I
0: was, yes, the yes, like a wedding march. Okay, okay, we're a little off. We need a little brain spa now. Oh, <laughs>
1: okay, uh, no, no. okay,
0: I'm going to hum it as you speak. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yes. Okay last weekend it was the 15th summit of french-speaking nations and it was in senegal canada in senegal africa
0: okay
1: <laughs> i think we've got everybody totally in the mood for thinking of canada and everything
0: but you just anyway, mentioned south africa
1: Well, not South Africa, Senegal, Africa.
0: Senegal, Africa, okay.
1: (laughs) And if you remember, when we talked about Ebola, that was one of the areas where Ebola was very big in Senegal. But this past weekend, the International Organization of La Francophone, and I may be pronouncing that incorrectly, but it's the International uh, Organization of French-Speaking Nations, Hmm. So there's 77 nations that have gotten together since 1970 wow. to, to get together and discuss things because part of their belief is that aside from speaking French, the French, anyone that speaks French, has sort of a humanitarian attitude of life that they believe is very healthy and that more of the world should be following. Mm. So this organization got together. And there are 77 states. There is, uh, you know, over 800 million people and 200 million French speakers that are sort of involved in this. So the, uh, from the 77 countries, uh, all the leaders and uh, representatives come. And this particular one, the 15th summit, was the title of this was about women and youth. And so the reason I'm talking about this is that this is uh, a health topic that I think is going to make people uh, a lot better in the world. And that's why it's an idea that I wanted to bring up and give kudos to uh, Stephen Harper and the Canadians and all the French-speaking nations that are trying to do this. Do you have any idea, Christina, how many children and young girls... Since 2004, from 2004 to 2014, how many would you say have been forced into marriages, this is around the world, forced into marriages, especially at a very young age? You know, pick a number between 2004 and 2014. So that would be 10 years.
0: 10 years of young women around the world. So teenagers, basically. And younger. And younger, forced into marriages?
1: Forced into marriages.
0: Oh dear! Uh, uh,
1: Pick a, uh, a million, close to that.
0: That's so sad. <laughs> because well, you know be, the well, reason why I say before that. before you go
1: on, before mm-hmm. you go on, the number is actually one hundred million. That is so sad. It is so sad. One hundred. Fill- 100 million females were forced into marriages between 2004 and two thousand. So 10 million
0: a year on average.
1: Uh, Yeah, something like that. So Prime Minister Stephen Harper uh, put together uh, uh, an issue that says, let's put an end to child marriages as well as forced unions. And his statement was, when girls, and I'm going to quote this, When girls cannot achieve their full potential, everyone suffers. The girls, their children, their communities, and their countries. So I think this is a very important health topic, and I wanted to bring it up today and just bring attention to this, because this is a world changer and it's important for optimal health for our country. Also, Canada donated $500 million for immunizations for children and mothers. There's a, an enormous number of children that die every year before the age of five, an enormous number of women that die in childbirth, during childbirth. And all of these things are important to bring into recognition. And at this French speaking summit, this is what was talked about today wow. or over the weekend. So yeah. I just wanted to honor that.
0: Oh, kudos to him, huh? That's kudos
1: wonderful. to him and all the people that are going to do something about that. A hundred million girls, Christina. Mm-hmm. How sad.
0: You know, it, it's, I say it's sad. And, and then, you're right. <laughs> yeah, well, it is sad. Um, but then I also, because I have, uh, been to different, like, third world countries, et cetera, Mm. and have witnessed, you know, the the poverty levels. Sure. Um, And honestly, if I had the choice of selling my child versus marrying her off, I would choose marrying them off and hopefully into a better life. Then what we know also happens is that they're sold off you know, um, so it, it, it's so hard to have a, a clear perspective of where that 100 million are, you know, what where, where the percentages are. Is it here in North America? Is it in South America, in the different continents? Is it in third world countries? Is it in a developed area or not developed area? You know, it's, it's it's tough. I mean, it is sad. It, I mean, to say the least, I mean, whether it be young girls or young boys, it, it's sad. Um, but then, you know, again, it's, it's like my feelings also of, uh, child labor, mm-hmm. um, in these countries, which again, I would rather this child be, be putting, you know, these things together in a, in a, Company, as opposed to being out on the streets, you know. What I mean, it's, like, it's it's really tough, Glenn. I, I find that I'm always caught when I hear of these numbers. The first thing it saddens me, and the next thing I have to think, okay, objectively. Really, after being in these countries and seeing these children, at least they're you know like with child labor. At least sometimes they're with their parents or with their families, and they're creating things, you know, building things or or making crafts together. And I go, oh, well, blessed be that they're with their families and not just out on the streets somewhere, you know. So uh, it's it's a tough one. Overall, it is sad.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I, I understand. And it's great that you talked about perspective because that's going to be our final little topic today. But I just wanted to stay on this for another moment or two. I, I think, as he said, you know, when the girl is forced into this at such a young age, she doesn't have the. The opportunity to grow up and have fun and and play and and create and decide on a career. I think I see your point, but I think more often we suffer. Just like he said, just like Stephen Harper Harper said, uh, the girl suffers, the family suffers because it's about family. And if the family is not happy, you know, because it's a 12 year old child, Uh, ready to get pregnant and have a baby. Uh, I think it's just not healthy for us. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: But I do see that it's always good to look at things in perspective. And that brings me to the to our final topic today before we close. And this is kind of a health tip, but it's also just a, a concept here um this is about attitude and perspective and how important it is in everything and all the decisions we make we look at you know just like you did just now we looked at this and we looked at you, we have an attitude and we have perspectives and all of the things we spoke about today exercise and neurotransmitters and meditation and eating correctly uh it's all about attitude and perspective and i you know we We try to, we listen to all the gurus and all the enlightened people saying, talking about mindfulness and and being in the moment, right? And how important that is. Well, I, I heard last night, I was listening to someone and they were talking about pundits and pundits, you know, are the people that we watch on the news that before an election, all of these experts get together and decide what may happen during the uh, election, they don't know what's going to happen, but they're all experts and they're all telling what they think will happen. And one of the things that one of the people brought up was instead of being in the moment as this enlightening, expanding thing, they called it, they were a prisoner of the moment where they didn't have the aspect of looking into the future and knowing the results. So they had to make a decision based on the moment. And I thought that was very interesting that we all try to be so much in the moment, and yet some people think that they're a prisoner in the moment. So it's about attitude and perspective. And that being said, throughout my life, I've listened to Proverbs. We all listened to Aesop's fables when we were kids. And as we grow up and we read more and more of the different Uh, philosophies and religions. There's all these proverbs and sayings and things like that. And I saw one the other day that uh, I just love this one. And this is really, to me, it's about attitude and perspective. And this is what I want to leave everyone with today. This is a Mexican proverb. You ready? Yes. Okay. This is the way it goes. They tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds. (laughs) When I read that, I just loved that. It was such a perfect thing for me. It was really about attitude and perspective. You know, they looked at it as, okay, we're being buried. We can either, you know, suffer through that or grow from it. They did. (laughs) They tried to bury us. They didn't know we were seeds.
0: I had to hesitate because I was typing out what you were saying and it was like, oh that's good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. It is good. Uh so that's it for today. That's inside the doctor's bag. We covered a lot of things. Uh any summary, any comments, any thoughts?
0: Oh no, I think that was a, a fun doctor's bag. We I always love doctor's bags. It makes <laughs> me you know, because it it really allows us to get a little deeper into a a topic and have a different perspective. (laughs) That's
1: true.
0: But that brain spa.
1: You like that, huh? I
0: do. I do. I do like that because I I really feel that so many of us need it. um, So many of us just need that time out and allow ourselves a time out. As you say, it's like the exercise part. You know, these are certain... uh, pieces in our life that if we stop one we become imbalanced you know you know the six items that you have you know with the sleep and and health and nutrition and it, you ignore one or you you don't stay aware of it we'll become Im- imbalanced in some way so that brain spot it's a big one <laughs> at, at this day and age it is a big one because it's december you know and people are are getting ready for the holidays and Possibly visitors and travel. And it, though you're having a good time, it's another level of stress.
1: Yes, it is. And all those neurotransmitters that are the stimulating or exciting ones, although the words stimulating and exciting sound really appealing, Mm -hmm. and on some levels they are, Mm -hmm. uh, over time they wear things down.
0: Yes, yes.
1: they cause It's like multitasking,
0: right? That's what they're saying too about multitasking today. You're killing brain cells when you multitask because <laughs> the brain is going yeah. yeah. Uh, but clearly, I I I really enjoy uh, this doctor's bag, doc, because it's, it it's so simple. It's so simple, and yet it will make huge changes in our life. Hope so. Yep. Yeah? including the nine sit-ups and the nine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a theory, you know, do one. And while you're down there, Oh, well, I may as well do another one. Another one. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you, Christina. And thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, I'm grateful to my teachers and uh, my healers for allowing me on my journey. And certainly grateful to yoga hub uh, for uh, promoting and, giving us this platform for knowledge and learning. Grateful to Christina and Segovia and all of the people that are watching our show or listening in podcasts. And we again look forward to meeting with you again next week as we search another quadrant of the healthcare galaxy. And until that time, thank you, Christina. And I wish everyone mm-hmm. optimal health.
0: Thank you, Dr. Glenn Wilman, for an awesome doctor's bag. And of course, we'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us in this new platform of education and information. We're always grateful for your continuous support, and we look forward to hearing your feedback on how we can serve you better. If you'd like to connect with Dr. Glenn Woolman, you can do so through his website, glennwoolman.com, where we truly encourage you to learn about his metaphor square breath. Now, if you're watching or listening to our podcast, you know, it'd be wonderful if you could like us or make a comment and also pass on the link to others that you know will benefit from these shows. Again, we're grateful for your continuous support. We love your feedback and comments and suggestions. Please uh, submit them through the site or give us a call at 818-LET'S-TALK. 818-LET'S-TALK. Until next time, namaste.
1: In the natural and homeopathic model of of healing, there is such a respect for the human body and for that doctor inside us that we assume that whatever symptoms we have aren't the result of breakdown of the body, But they're the effort of our body to try and defend itself and to try and heal. Now, that doesn't mean that that symptom, that fever, that headache, that high blood pressure, will necessarily heal us. But that it is an effort of our body-mind to try and defend itself and to try and heal.